You're listening to the final episode of the Navigating to Net Zero podcast series in which Macquarie Asset Management offers a frank discussion of the challenges and opportunities on its path to a net zero portfolio, including how some of its portfolio companies are navigating their own unique journeys. I'm Rebecca Darst, the host and narrator of this series. In this concluding episode, we'll get some parting thoughts from the leaders of Macquarie Asset Management about what they've learned so far and why partnerships are critical to achieving their 2040 ambitions. We have Ben Wei, Group Head of Macquarie Asset Management, back with us to share learnings so far from the firm's journey to net zero. It's great to have you back. So let's talk about Macquarie Asset Management's vision and how the Net Zero Initiative can help innovate and accelerate change. So the way we um, bring Macquarie's purpose to life, which, as we mentioned before, is to empower people to innovate and invest for a better future. How we do that within Macquarie Asset Management is to ensure that every investment we make delivers positive impact for everyone. We want to invest responsibly and we believe that's the right thing to do. It's how we build the best outcomes, not just for our clients, but also for portfolio companies, for our communities, for regulators, and for other stakeholders like the environment. It allows us to save energy. It allows us to be more economically profitable, to attract better talent, to have better, more positive relationships with regulators, allowing us to be a more productive, more innovative business, but also I think a business that is building license with a whole range of different stakeholders. And that license is based on trust, that we can be trusted to do the right thing, that we can be trusted to deliver returns, but also do it in a way that people um, feel comfortable with. And most importantly, from a client point of view, want to be associated with. Macquarie Asset Management's leadership position in infrastructure asset management has no doubt shaped your long-term thinking and approach to decarbonization. How has this influenced other parts of your business? We need to remind ourselves that infrastructure is, as an asset class, the biggest emitter globally. There's a lot of learnings we've taken from infrastructure and then been able to roll out in terms of the rest of our portfolios, thinking about the sorts of building materials we use and um, their carbon footprint. And so it was the the need to get it right in um, infrastructure, just given the scale of our business and the impact of infrastructure, that has helped catalyze the thinking right across our portfolio, shifting them to make sure that they have the right sustainability approach and the right net zero footprint. We've done the same sort of thing, again, in things like agriculture and, and real estate, where we're thinking about, okay, how can we repurpose buildings How can we create additional revenue streams? How can we reposition businesses so that they are actually more appealing both to investors, but also to end clients? We're focused on working with companies across many sectors um, from a stewardship point of view to make sure that those businesses are on the right journey in terms of environmental and social outcomes. And importantly, each of those asset classes is different. But I think each of them presents you know, real opportunities for us to have impact and influence, but importantly, do it in a way that creates value and ultimately delivers returns to our clients. One clear observation from throughout the series is this concept of not having all the answers and learning as you go. What has been your biggest learning since Macquarie Asset Management embarked on this net zero journey? First thing we have got to remember is we do need to make the case portfolio company by portfolio company and each portfolio company given all those factors, needs to have a plan specific to them. You cannot just have generic plans and generic strategies. An infrastructure 
telecommunications business is doing in the Philippines is quite different to what a utility might have to do in Germany. They're at different stages of business evolution and they're operating in very different markets. But second of all, we also have to acknowledge that not everyone is you know, on this journey and so we've got to work with them to build that momentum. Really what we're asking people to do is something that they've never done before and to go to a place, a destination that they've never been before and often not had to think about in the history of their industry, the history of their company. And so that requires leadership. Perhaps the most difficult challenge of leadership is to get you know, groups of people, groups of stakeholders to do new things they've never done before because we know that the world will evolve and so we need to evolve with it. Excellent. Benway, thank you for the conversation today. Thank you. Next up is Macquarie Asset Management's Chief Sustainability Officer, Christina Kloberdans, who offers a unique perspective on the challenges of coordinated efforts to combat climate change. Christina Kloberdans, Chief Sustainability Officer, Macquarie Asset Management. Thank you for speaking with me today. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Recently, the executive chairman of the World Economic Forum declared, quote, we are at a tipping point in our efforts to put the planet back on track to meet our climate ambitions. So my question for you, what are you hearing at the corporate level from the global political and NGO community? Do you think there's reason to hope or despair? By nature, I'm an optimist. So I'm going to go with hope. I was fortunate to attend both COP27 in Egypt. Um, I was at WEF um, in Davos last week. We are facing uncertain economic times ahead. While our ambition of steering the planet towards net zero in the goals of the Paris Agreement hang in the balance with an energy crisis and a cost of living crisis around the globe, we have to get on with it. And we have to get on with it now. It includes all sectors to speed uh, the technology, to provide the scale, to reduce the cost, to de-risk, and to share the risks of bold innovation, and to mobilize finance and have the capital ready for uh, project investments. And we need the energy transition to be a fair one, be a just transition without inequality. And while the issues are dire, I measure this with the addition of hope. And meeting CSO peers across sectors and hearing their work and their progress, we have a lot more to do. I'm proud of the work that has collectively been done. So you're going out of your way to share details on your approach. What do you hope to gain by doing that? The scale of these issues at hand require collaboration and partnerships. No one can reach net zero alone. No company, no sector, no country. And so by sharing the complexities and the challenges and where we currently are in the process, it's our hope that we can help, but also to learn from others and so that we can continue to enhance our approach and have a meaningful impact. The work done by our portfolio companies and their efforts, their plans, their challenges, and their successes are really at the heart of this series. How is Macquarie Asset Management implementing long-term sustainability initiatives for its own operations and future-proofing the organization for progress toward net zero? Our net zero 2040 commitment is through our role as an asset manager. But as part of Macquarie Group, We also have environmental and social commitments, policies and targets, which include playing a leading role in the global transition to net zero emissions by 2050. But within Macquarie Asset Management, we're focused not only on our portfolio path to net zero, but on how we can steer the low carbon transition with the integration of the green investment group and our capabilities in nature-based solutions. We're finding new ways to ensure an inclusive transition, better integrating safety, social impact, and the consideration of culture in our investment and asset management frameworks. 
We also remain focused on deepening the trust of our stakeholders by strengthening our governance and enhancing transparency across our portfolio. We'll continue to innovate, evolving our investment and asset management frameworks, our strategies, and our culture to take us where we need to go. Christina Cloberdan's Chief Sustainability Officer, Macquarie Asset Management. Thank you for speaking with me today. Thanks so much. We were also able to catch up with Chandra Eastwell, Associate Director of Sustainability at Macquarie Asset Management, who, along with her colleagues, has been working to establish net zero business plans at these portfolio companies. Chandra Eastwell, Associate Director of Sustainability at Macquarie Asset Management. Thanks for speaking with me today. Hi, nice to be here. At the heart of this series has been Macquarie's goal to deliver net zero business plans for portfolio companies where you exercise control or significant influence. So as you reflect on this commitment, which Macquarie Asset Management made two years ago now, how do you feel about the results? Look, I'm incredibly proud of the work that our portfolio companies have done and the work that the MAM teams have put in and also how many of those companies have come on the journey with us. If you think about where we were two years ago, most of our portfolio companies didn't know what their emissions profiles were. And now we're in a position where not only have they made a commitment uh, to reduce them, they know what those emissions are, they know where they're coming from, they've already started implementing projects to reduce those emissions. I'm especially proud of the companies where achieving net zero is going to be really challenging and where there currently aren't commercial and technologically feasible kind of solutions in place. So for them to have a vision to commit their business to a trajectory of net zero without absolute certainty on how they're going to get there for me is particularly courageous. I'm also particularly pleased with how the conversation over net, on net zero over the last two years has moved into a commercial one. So where we were largely talking about it being the right thing to do, which it is, now we're in a position where we can be talking about how a decarbonisation strategy is about protecting and creating value, which obviously opens up that conversation and that, and that discussion to a completely different audience. What do you think was the catalyst behind that? The world has changed a lot in the last two years. I think lots of people were making commitments on net zero two years ago without lots of experience on how you actually do it. And now that people are putting in these sorts of projects, they're looking at the return on these investments, they are understanding firsthand that actually they can be value accretive, they can be NPV positive, particularly in an environment where at the moment where there's changing and there's volatility in energy prices. So Net zero is fundamentally an exercise in efficiency. So if you're being more efficient, reducing less energy, you're also bringing down your cost and those costs are higher today than they were two years ago. That's been a major driver. So we've taken a look back at what's brought you to this point. Looking ahead, what's next for you and the team? Uh, we're definitely just at the beginning. So working with our portfolio companies to get to the position where they make a commitment of net zero at 2040 and setting a net zero business plan in place is kind of the beginning. Our focus really now is on working with them on the delivery and the execution of those plans because what we want to do is support the portfolio companies to actually drive those emissions down and start implementing some of those abatements because that's what it's all about, not just about setting a target, but about getting the results. What's really struck me is the scale and the complexity of the net zero challenge that you are tackling. How are your teams staying focused on the sheer enormity of the task? To be honest, it's the scale and the complexity that we love. We're really learning new things every single day. We're really privileged and kind of motivated by how far our portfolio companies have come and to see the progress that they're making. Chandra Eastwell, thanks for speaking with me today. Thank you very much. Finally, we have Kate Vigen from Macquarie Asset Management's Green Investment Group on what the future may look like in the transition to a low carbon and climate resilient economy. Kate Vigen, Head of Industrial Transition and Clean Fuels at Macquarie Asset Management's Green Investment Group. Thank you for speaking with me this morning. 
Thanks, Rebecca. Great to be here. Now, Kate, talk about where you sit at the cutting edge, if not the bleeding edge, of efforts to scale energy transition solutions. What are some of the new technologies you're most excited about and why? Technology and new technology is emerging everywhere, and it's really cool and exciting, and I feel very fortunate to be part of the industry and see that happening. The good thing about the last 12 months is there's been a number of technologies that are starting to take some step changes to solve some of the harder issues associated with the energy transition. I'll just touch on three. The first one is long-duration storage, and you know, clearly intermittent renewables is a big problem we're all seeking to resolve. But there's a whole range of new technologies coming out to actually try to actually attack that issue, whether it be flow batteries, whether it be the utilisation of compressed air for batteries, or whether it actually be using mediums like ammonia to actually create that long-duration storage. The second area is biofuels and the feedstocks. Biofuels are going to be incredibly important for our 2030 targets because they're drop-in fuels. You can use existing infrastructure. However, there's a big constraint because we just don't have enough feedstock. The third thing we're seeing is technologies around carbon removal. And if you listen to a lot of podcasts like I do, that has become the buzzword in the last six months. People are realising we will need negative emissions. Now, there's two ways you can do that. The first is you can actually look at nature-based solutions. And GIG and MAM have been doing quite a lot in nature-based solutions for some time because we have a very deep knowledge of agriculture and we have assets in that space. The second area that I personally have been involved in is engineered solutions. And something like direct air capture, where you actually capture carbon from the air, used to be something we thought was decades away. Now, with some policy support from the US, it has become real, and that's incredibly exciting. But all of that aside, I think the most exciting thing is the convergence of technologies and the way we need to staple them together. None of these technologies stand alone. Each of them will need a variety of technology change to actually put in place. And more and more, we're realising the challenge is individual technologies. It's building up those value chains. So within GIG and MAM, and actually the broader Macquarie Group, one of the things we've been more and more focused on is how do we bring expertise from each area of the value chain, not only to actually manage our risk, but also to create opportunity. So throughout this series, we've had a glimpse into the huge appetite for these technologies from end users. So can you scale that opportunity for our listeners and give some insight into the biggest hurdles to deployment? So in terms of scale, there's sort of one number that really stands out to me, and this came out last year. We need more than $4 trillion annually to avoid exceeding our carbon budget and to meet the Paris goals. And we're obviously not even close to that at the moment. So that deployment of capital is just an immense challenge. But actually, before you even think about the capital, you have to think about how you might deploy it. And what we're starting to see is there's real constraints around supply chains, the raw materials and expertise, and they're not going to go away. So one of the things we're encouraging our companies to do is to think about alternate pathways, think about creating some optionality. And certainly there's a range of things that can be done in the short term to make sure you start to go on that emissions reduction trajectory. One is just a trucking fleet. We know that you can change out a trucking fleet to be to electric vehicles or even fuel cell electric vehicles. But when you think about the need for not only the trucks, but also things like refueling and recharging, that's a big ask. So starting to think about utilising biofuels in the interim and blending those biofuels to actually start to reduce your carbon footprint is probably 
a good bet if you're in the logistics business. Similarly in steel, we're seeing more and more people acknowledge that you probably need to move to what's called hydrogen DRI if you want to produce really green steel. But again, that's a massive challenge. You need to change your steel plants. You actually need to wait until the hydrogen industry can actually produce hydrogen at scale. So in the interim, steelmakers might think about injecting natural gas or even green or low carbon hydrogen into their blast furnace and just start that journey of emissions reduction. Decarbonizing the world's energy system while also providing energy access for everyone is going to require enormous investments from both the public and private spheres. What are some of the notable policies or targets or other drivers that are coming to play? And how are these driving corporate action? The thing that really stands head and shoulders above the rest is the Inflation Reduction Act that came into being last year in the United States. That act is very focused on clean energy. It's also very carefully crafted to be about energy security, supply chain security, and really re-industrializing the US. And certainly there has been a response by the rest of the world. All of these things are fantastic for the energy transition. The only challenge is there is a risk that countries will become increasingly protectionist to solve the problems that the US, for example, is trying to solve. And that is a risk to the energy transition because we can't just decarbonize one economy. We have to decarbonize all economies. The scale of this transition is creating phenomenal demand on critical minerals and other resources that are required to deliver low-carbon technologies. Now, it's increasingly clear that net-zero economies will only be delivered within circular economies. But what will this look like in practice? So the circular economy is something that we really are going to need to ramp up. And GIG is really cognizant of that. The challenge with circular economy projects, though, is that often they rely on a change in consumer behaviour or industrial customer behaviour. In addition, you often need to have plants very close to feedstock, and that by definition means they're local and hard to scale. Having said all that, something that we've seen in the last 12 months that we're really excited about is really a rise in the profile of biogas and biomethane. So you've had players like Shell, BP and BlackRock make very large acquisitions in both Europe and the US. Last year, we acquired a platform in Germany. One of the things they do is they take manure and convert it to biogas. The good thing about that is not only are you producing a renewable fuel, but you're actually helping the local agricultural community. But you're also not only taking the manure from the farmers, but you're giving them back a fertilizer in exchange. And so helping them to continue to have low cost and competitive operations in the local community, which we think is incredibly important. Excellent. Kate Vigen, thanks for speaking with me today. Thank you, Rebecca. This concludes the final episode of Macquarie Asset Management's podcast series, Navigating to Net Zero. You've heard stories from the people on the ground in industries from agriculture to telecoms and green energy generation who are leading the charge to actionable climate mitigation despite varied challenges posed by the industries and regions in which they operate. What they all share is the will, the skill, and the perseverance in their own operations to help the shift to sustainable new normal. And we've been fortunate that they're sharing their lessons learned so far on the road to net zero with all of us. 
Most importantly, these stories are shared with you because we're all on a journey of learning, adapting, and working collaboratively to address a range of sustainability challenges. Macquarie Asset Management believes that in order to achieve their goals, transparency and sharing learnings are important ingredients in the recipe for success. Thanks for listening, and be sure to look for future episodes from Macquarie Asset Management. If you'd like to learn more about Macquarie's commitment to sustainability and its progress toward meeting its sustainability goals, subscribe to the series and check out the show notes for more information. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only, and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objective will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed, without independent verification, on the accuracy and completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management, MAM, is the asset management division of Macquarie Group. MAM is a full-service asset manager, offering a diverse range of products across public and private markets, including fixed income, equities, multi-asset solutions, private credit, infrastructure, renewables, natural assets, real estate, and asset finance. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, Any Macquarie Group entity noted in this podcast is not an authorized deposit-taking institution for the purposes of the Banking Act 1959, Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these other Macquarie Group entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank. Macquarie Bank does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these other Macquarie Group entities. In addition, if this podcast relates to an investment, the investor is subject to investment risk, including possible delays in repayment and loss of income and principal invested, and none of Macquarie Bank or any other Macquarie Group entity guarantees any particular rate of return on or the performance of the investment, nor do they guarantee repayment of capital in respect of the investment.